Hey, welcome to Talking Direction, the Drama Leaks podcast discussing the art and skill of directing, those directing a new future for our audiences and artists, and the ideas that would create a more imaginative, diverse, and equitable field for all. I am Nylan, the Associate Artistic Director of the Drama Link, and I'm your host today. If you're like me, when you were a kid, you may have learned about the American Theatre Wing from your couch while watching the Tony Awards. Founded in 1917 on the eve of the U.S. entry into World War I by seven suffragettes, the American Theatre Wing has been connecting artists and audiences and feature theatre makers for over a century. Now, leading this esteemed organization are our guests, Heather A. Hitchens and Emilio Sosa. Heather serves as the president and CEO of the American Theatre Wing. And during her time at the wing, she has expanded their portfolio by overseeing the reshaping of their artist development initiatives, educational programming, grant opportunities, and media programming. Heather has also served as the executive director of the New York State Council on the Arts, where she oversaw the distribution of $123 million to over 2,000 New York State arts organizations. Joining Heather is Tony Award-nominated costume and fashion designer Emilio Sosa. Emilio recently was named the new chair of the American Theatre Wing. He rose on the scene while styling hip-hop legends like salt and Pepper, MC Light, and Kid and Play. He has designed for music royalty like Diana Ross, Celine Dion, Gloria Estevan, and Mariah Carey. Emilio made his Broadway debut in the George C. Wolfe-directed Susan Laurie Parks-ridden drama Top Dog Underdog. His other Broadway credits include On Your Feet, Porgy and Bess, and Lady Day and Emerson Grill and Bar. With great pleasure, I welcome two of American theater's finest leaders on and off the stage. Welcome to Talking Direction, Heather and Emilio. How are you? We're good. We're we're, we're, yeah. we're on the other side of the Tony Awards, so we're happy. <laughs> <laughs> so we survived. <laughs> yes, congratulations on the Tonys. Uh, it feels so good to have them back. It really did. It was a wonderful uh staple of uh american theater getting back on its feet and i wonder if you would let our listeners in on why you chose to present it in the two-show fashion as you did well i think a couple of things you know obviously the pandemic had, uh, is there but I, I think there was a longer term goal at play here which is that uh and, and many people don't know this so glad to be able to talk about this but all the designers and the creative arts awards were never on the uh, telecast and they were given away at Radio City and they were on the Tony Awards website. So we have for a long time, um, and, and, you know, wanted to make sure that all the awards, you know, were, were honored uh, on a network. And, um, you know, what's happening in television, linear versus streaming is really interesting. And so this allowed us to honor more artists than ever before in a very public way, which was very important to us. And it allowed us to have one foot in the new world and one foot in what is becoming the old world. So we felt like we got our cake and uh, eat it too, so to speak. And, you know, uh, it was a long time figuring out the right things to do. But the one thing I think Emilio and I are absolutely united. Well, we're united on everything, but, <laughs> but, but on this is that the Tonys really need to be a celebration of theater and community. And I think that's the one thing we just had a board meeting. So uh, I know that we both feel that we, we really felt that we achieved that this time. Do you agree, Emilio? I, I think know you so. Do. I think, 
And it was my first Tony as chair. So that was already a out-of-body experience, uh, even going to that theater, because uh, that theater meant a lot to me personally, in the sense that my great mentor, the legendary Jeffrey Holder, won two Tonys in that same theater when he won for The Wiz, Direction, and Costume Design. So that the Tonys meant a great deal to me, him winning those awards on that stage, and I was able to come on the stage, introduce myself as the chair, really was a full circle moment. Uh, but just to piggyback on what Heather said, what made this Tony telecast so special is that we had those personal connections. It was about the art form. And I think that the pandemic made us all aware of what we loved, about what we do, and how can we celebrate it. And uh, it wasn't easy getting there, but through Heather's leadership, we were able to really present two telecasts that we're super, super proud of that were able to celebrate the past, but also embrace the future because nothing grows if you don't feed it new life. I completely agree there. And in my humble opinion, I think you all did a very, very good job. <laughs> we'll accept your humble opinion. Then. Yes, we will. <laughs> we will very... Not so humbly, except... Exactly. <laughs> Let's uh, go back in time a little bit. Let's go back to... Um, let's call it the heart of 2020. Um, and, and, and I'm wondering, um, that moment when artists, um, arts leaders, administrators, um, audience had to like reckon with what the American theater was. I'm wondering how did the American theater wing look at itself when you had a chance to like really look under the hood? Um, what did you see and how did you begin to face it? Oh, well, um, you know, so much. I mean, one of the things we often say is that, you know, we're on the treadmill all the time and it's hard to get a new perspective when you're on the treadmill, because, you know, if you step off the treadmill, it's hard to get back on. Yeah. And, you know, I think we all long for those moments to step off the treadmill. Well, this was not planned. It, you know, this is sometimes you get what what you need, not what you want. And I think the, the industry in some ways needed to get off the treadmill, right? Um, and, you know, it, it forced, we're all creative people, and it forced those creative muscles, like in terms of the wing itself, it's like, how can we do what we do um, in a different way? You know, we learned uh, uh, about technology, how can we deliver our programs technologically? And what was the great joy of this is that we reached so many more people. We truly became the American theater wing. We, our international audience, our uh, national and international audience grew. Um, and I think um, that we learned that the pause was valuable. Um, you know, the, the wing has long been committed to equity, starting mm -hmm. back with the stage door canteen that yeah. The women of the wing integrated before anything was integrated, and they were criticized by uh, Senator Bilbao on the floor of the Senate for mongrelizing and the uh, quote unquote. And the women of the wing said, "Go suck an egg." <laughs> 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 
uh, <laughs> which we would say something maybe that rhymes with that today. I don't know. Exactly. But, <laughs> I mean, but and, you know, it, it was a moment to say, Hey, stop, look, listen, this needs to change. This yeah. needs to get better. And, you know, and, and we're tired of dragging people up the hill. Yeah. You know, I think so. And I think, I think Heather's being very modest about the wing in a sense that, uh, we were always about inclusivity, diversity prior to 2020's reckoning on Broadway. And that's something that a lot of people don't know because under the swell of the movement, uh, everyone thought that every, every organization on Broadway was the same, but we, we were never the same. It started with our founding with the suffrages, integrating the state door canteen and the makeup of our board has been integrated, uh, gender, ethnicity, and all that prior to this. So we have a history that I definitely zoned in on during the pandemic that we can grow upon. It's not something yeah. new for us. And I think that makes us very unique in this landscape. And we're also committed to, this is not a, a destination where you're going to arrive at equity. It always has to be a journey. Look it's how a journey. Changing. There you go. Look, look, look how gender is changing. And yeah. so, you know, we go through, we have a, an annual review and this is goes for everything, not just, you know, equity. And we look at where we call them grows and glows. <laughs> where, where are we doing really well? Those are the glows and where are the places where we can grow? Um, to just not, you know, to, to look at really, again, to look at it as a journey and not a destination of, of how we can continue to, you know, um, become more inclusive every single day. Yeah, I think that's the work for everybody on the ground right now. But here, to, here what, if I can interrupt it, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't call it work. I think it's, it's reality. I love your choice of words and I want to lift that up, but I... I... I want to be clear that I call it work because I think it applies effort. It applies rigor. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. I know the word work has a negative connotation sometimes, but I think yes. we really need to face ourselves and to get this field back to where it is. We have to put in the work. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yep. It, it, it's constant. It's a, it, it's not, you do one thing and then you can sit back and say, Oh, we did one no. thing. It's an you every, gotta... every no, day. And I often think, you know, if you take your foot off the accelerator, you miss one meeting, it'll go back. Cause sometimes, <laughs> you're, the, sometimes you're the only people that are saying, holding it. And, um, absolutely true. Yeah. That's the, that's the work and the joy. <laughs> For over a century, the drama league has been serving artists and audiences in the American theater with fierce dedication as the landscape has evolved. We are too to meet our community in this important moment. Our programs, ranging from internationally renowned directing intensive workshops to fellowships and residencies to a globally recognized award celebration, are constantly adapting to meet the needs of creators and consumers of art and culture. Stay up to date by following us on all social media platforms and visiting dramaleague.org. Emilio, congratulations on your recent appointment as chair. Um, I feel I need to say this, and I know our artistic director, Gabriel Stelian Shanks, is also going to uh, agree with me here. Um, I am such a big fan of your work. I, I, you're amazing. 
Um, and I uh, hope one day to be addressed by you. <laughs> um, but I, I want to bring this to the idea of moving forward. And um, with you taking this position, I wonder what you are dreaming up. What are your hopes? My hopes and dreams for the future. <laughs> uh, you know, I just want to build upon what the wing started. And it's about, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a child of public schools in the 70s here in New York, where art education was part of the curriculum. It wasn't a special class. It wasn't only for certain students. It was about everyone and how you build better human beings. And one of, one of the things that I'm really, really passionate about is how do we bring theater to the underdeserved, underserved, not underdeserved, so please, <laughs> underserved communities that are just like two, mi two miles away. Like I grew up 25 minutes from Times Square Broadway District on the number two train. And I never ever saw a Broadway show until I was 20 years old in college by chance. And we need to shorten that pipeline. We need to, and, and, and it's not about, you know, a lot of unfortunately in the past, it's not about, you know, giving the churches discount tickets for a performance. You know what I mean? It's about bringing the performance to the people. It's about creating uh, environments or uh, creating platforms where students can just look into our website and maybe there's, we sponsor student citywide student matinees, something like that, where we're bringing it to the people. And I think for me, as a New Yorker kid, as a theater worker, that I often figure out, why did it take me so long to go see a Broadway show. And it's because it was never presented to my community. And that's something that I'm really passionate about, making sure that Broadway is a New York experience. It's not just for an elite certain class. The theater brings people together. And to well, do that, go ahead, Heather. Yep. No, no, keep finished. No, no, no. Well, you know, I can go on forever. So please cut, cut me off. Uh, well, no, I was going to say it's about what you're talking about is arts education being a fundamental right and not a privilege. And that's what we're trying exactly. to make happen. In, in, even yes. the playing field, we support a lot of Title I schools that they're, they have people doing theater. But, you know, a lot of what we do sometimes is give lights and sound because they're doing it in the dark. Exactly. You know, or, or yeah, or a school can't would, be heard, yeah. you know, and um, so it's it's that fun and it's that fundamental. How do we start? You know, how does it start? Who gets access to an arts education? Access. Right? Who gets access to Broadway? Who gets access? To, and then theater in the communities. All in the community. The that's another thing. Go, Heather. But in the community, <laughs> because theater, I think when when I think when the world at large thinks of theater, is Broadway, we've made it Broadway, New York. But no, to support theater, you support the theaters in your community because that's where those young performers first get exposed to the art form. So I, in my career, have done a lot of regional theater. I love doing theater 
in the U.S. at large. I do a lot of New York and L.A., Chicago, of course, but I love going to Kansas City, to Dallas, to Oklahoma, because those people are hungry for theater. You know, in New York, I think we take it for granted because you walk down the street and you and you walk by 20 Broadway theaters. But if you go to a small community outside of Chicago, let's say, and you have an audience, that to me is special because these people are searching for it. And that's what theater means to me. It's about bringing everyone along. And we do that through our programs at the wing. We help Title I schools. We help students, uh, seniors going into their first year of classes because we need to get them younger. I'm such a, I'm such a fanatic about that. Let's not wait till they're adult and can make up their minds. We need to expose them so they can become theater lovers and supporters at the young age. I completely agree with you, Emilio. Um, here at the Drama League, we also lift arts education, uh, especially with our free after-school program, New Visions, New Voices. Now, I've stood before the New York City Education Board um, at several schools, to anyone who listen, and I've told them all that the most important currency yes. skill on any job is how to tell a story. And I, I wait yeah. for them. I, I say to them, please tell me that job. Reveal that job to me that you do not have to tell a story. I'll wait. No, I mean, it, there is not one. And, and the arts, you know, is a sector that every other sector that it touches, it makes better. There you uh, go. Nobody's been able to prove me wrong. Don't do it today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or, or we'll erase that part. But um, I know. <laughs> But test scores go up. We know this. We have the data. Attendance at school goes up. Violence in schools go down. Understanding is built. And then outside of that, in communities, the economic, economics of the communities depend on the theaters. And there was a study in the New York Times about participating in the arts makes you healthier and live longer. So it's like there, we need to come out of this pandemic shaking off the culture wars yeah. from years before, get some self-esteem and take some credit for the fundamental role that the arts play in society. And, and we got to get our politicians to do, I mean, thank you for Save Our Stages. That's a down payment. There's a lot more to do. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, I'm going to quote you on there. There is a lot more work to do for sure. Exactly. And also Save Our Stages also saves the people who are working under the stage. So, I mean, it's a, it's a great thing and, and we are grateful of it, but, it, it, but again, it's a, it's a, it's a down payment and there's so much um, that needs to be done. And, you know, as I was out advocating for support for the industry, you know, people were like, I said, this is not a handout. This is called put oil in the engine or the engine won't run. Being a creative professional means we're always learning. And with the pandemic coming to an end, there's never been a better time for us to up our game. The Essentials is the Drama League's acclaimed series of online and in-person workshops that feature cutting-edge techniques to help you be ready for the changing realities of the arts in America. Hosted by award-winning thought leaders and experts, The Essentials offers one-of-a-kind sessions in text analysis, camera techniques, auditioning, and much more. You can participate directly in the hands-on workshops, 
or simply observe via Zoom. Classes are filling up for 2021. So learn more and sign up by visiting dramaleague.org slash essentials. That's dramaleague.org slash essentials. Some of our alums wanted me to uh, bring up counting together. Um, For our listeners who may not know about Counting Together, it's a website hosted by the American Theatre Wing and the Dramatist Guild that is gathering reports on race, gender, and disability in the American theatre. It's uh, trying, and I think uh, making a bold attempt, to move the conversation from hearsay into a more accountable space with tangible facts, uh, facts that we can use to fight back the oppression of um, white supremacy and blanket privilege. Um, I'm wondering, um, what do you hope comes to the field from collecting this data? Well, I think one of the reasons, I'm kind of a cultural policy person. I mean, I spent um, time, you know, obviously in state government, I teach a a cultural policy class at Baruch. So I'm really interested and invested in the data because I think the data, you need to know where you are in order to know where you go and uh, where where we need to go. And I hear a lot of people, you know, saying things like, we're getting better, this is getting better. And I just like to deal with the facts. And, you know, and because, you know, especially around equity, we need to become more strategic and intentional as an industry. And you can't be strategic and intentional if you don't start with the facts of where you are. Um, And so one of the frustrations in the cultural policy world is that there's this data, you know, that exists. It's hard to get apples to look like, you know, apples. And so we thought, well, we're not going to do an Uber study, but let's like, create, let's create a space where all these studies exist and then try and extrapolate things to really help people know where we are so that people could be more strategic and intentional because people are saying they'd want to be more strategic and intentional. Okay. So are things getting better on stage? Yes. We learned that they are getting better on stage, but we also learned that a hundred percent of the artistic directors were still white. We also learned that a lot of times when BIPOC, most of the time, I should say when BIPOC, um, content is done. It's, it's, it's directed by non-BIPOC people. So, I mean, that's just information to know, okay, well, what's next? How do we take this to the next level? So what I hope is that it, it, it grounds us in a reality of where we are so that people can be strategic and intentional, because I think we can all say this with honesty of friends and colleagues in the industry is that there was a lot of panic stuff that was happening, you know, when some people were, were awakened for the first time last summer <laughs> or two summers ago, I guess. It uh-huh, uh-huh. And people were just kind of throwing stuff at the wall, right, in a panicked way. And this is like, stop, listen, look, let's be strategic and intentional because that's that's where the systemic change is going to come. Not not the surface is by knowing where we are and making strategic moves to advance those things. So that, I mean, that's a lot of words, but I hope it's clear what we intend. I love that you said it's a lot of words. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a lot of thought. Um, and, And I find the data and I will speak here solely for my own marginalizations as a black gay man, um, having facts behind you, about the things you have said for years countless times is a comfort and a welcomed tool yeah 
People also people understand numbers more than hopefully people understand, you know, two plus two equals four. We all can look at numbers objectively, hopefully, and say, okay, there's a problem. As like Heather said, it's easy. Well, I shouldn't say it's easy. It's well, it is easy to just give lip service to something and not really do the hard, dirty work. When you have numbers to back what you've been saying, hopefully it makes those who are not listening at least take note that you are correct. So data or data. <laughs> I'm Latino, so for me it's like data. <laughs> it's so important, you know. People also the cameras, you know, they can't dispute it. It's there in black and white. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> it's black and white, you know. We're uh, asking um, a lot of arts leaders this right now. Um, we publicly say and celebrate our successes, but we rarely speak publicly about what we're failing at and, and the effort that we're exerting um, to try. And I bring this up because right. it's a conversation we're having here at the Drama League, how we can help people through their failures and, and not knock them for trying. Um, and I wonder, and I know, I know we're in an era of council culture. I get that. But I'm wondering, would you right. share uh, something that you've had to work on learning? Um, something that maybe you're still failing at now? I just think uh, a public share of it and um, a transparency behind what we're working at is uh, really good for the culture of the American theater right now. And maybe move us to a more um, gracious and... Um, um, a space of healing and gratitude. Yeah, I'm not sure that I have a specific thing, but I, I, I think that, I mean, I, I'm a musician, creative person, that's my training. And so to failure is key to Just, creativity, yeah. right? Yeah. And so to me, it's like, I, I think you got to go to the thing that you're failing at and use it as an opportunity to learn something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there yeah. isn't a lot of tolerance for failure in our society. And as a teacher that I do in my spare time, I notice my students are terribly afraid to fail. They're terribly afraid to fail. They're like, professor, can you just tell us exactly, can you write down exactly what you want us to do? And I'm like, no, that's <laughs> called doing it for you. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> and, and they're like, I just, I, I, I don't want to fail. And so I, I think what I, what we fail to do and I want to figure out is how do you make valiant failure? Okay. Yeah. And this is really important. Don't call artists. it failure. Don't call it failure. Call it experience. Call it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> let's re let's rebrand it because I don't, I don't believe in the term failure at all. I think failure is when you give up, but if you're still trying, then it's an experience. Failure yeah, is when is you true. give up. Yeah, this is true. And, and, you know, especially with artistic work and obviously, you know, it's so important to give artists space and time to develop work. To develop. Yeah. You know, and we, we are failing as an industry to invest in that kind of development. And yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like also personally, brother, you read these amazing credits 
behind my name. But what the what I think people don't realize that that's 30 years. <laughs> I'm an over I'm a 30 year overnight success, you know, because on paper, I think our society is so fast fashion, Instagram, TikTok, yeah. instant gratification. It took me 30 years to get where I am. And I can be honest and say there's a big chunk of those 30 years where I was not focused. I was working, selling shoes. I sold massages at a spa. I booked fashion stuff. But I never, ever gave up on my dream to design. And so even though I went through those trials and tribulations, I never, ever considered myself a failure because I knew where I was going. And if I would have given up 10 years ago, six years ago, before I even got to the wing, I wouldn't be here right now. So but I think, you know, I mean, obviously on Broadway, there's a lot of risk involved. Um, and yeah. so, so it's tried out out of town. Although sometimes you're like, Oh, did you try this? Out? Never. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes sometimes. I, I recommend um, every, every show should try out out of town. Yeah. Instead of coming straight but, to Broadway. But, but uh, you know, the regional theaters, I mean, my first job in, the arts was at American music theater festival in Philadelphia. And we did some crazy stuff like, and I remember as a young person, we were chit chatting about it one day in the conference room and the producing director, and this had a huge effect on me said, yeah, was that weird? Was that a little crazy? It was, but what we do at this place is we give artists a chance to fail. We've yes. given artists a chance to test things. And what I will consider success is, is if, this experience leads to them the next thing. And that had a huge, you know, uh, impact on me. And, and, you know, and after that, I worked directly with composers for many years, writing all kinds of, you know, works and just knowing, you know, that the, the lack that, uh, you know, as an industry that we don't invest in the development, everything is like, is it going to make money? Is it, and look, there's a place for that. And that's an important place because I don't believe in the starving artists. We want, Fed no. artists. We want to um, eat. <laughs> but, I, I, um, yeah. That's the development, funny. you know, of, of work is a place where I think we need to focus. That's why we need it in schools, because in schools is where the kids are able to be free and be themselves uh, and not have to worry about the, the am I going to get paid for this or is my boss going to fire me or, is, you know what I mean? I think that's why it goes back to my mantra, my mission, get our education back in the schools so the kids can express themselves. And half the time, you learn what you like by doing stuff that you don't like. So this, it's not a, it's not a failure. It's a, it's like I keep saying, it's an experience. We got to empower our artists to where they can be free to explore new ideas without the commercial, uh, mm -hmm. without the commercial pressure, you know? Well, they say, they say that if you want to develop yourself, you should do the thing that you're afraid of. Exactly. So I'm going to be a hell of a synchronized swimmer one day. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> right, Heather? <laughs> oh my gosh, that made me think about bungee jumping, and my soul went. I don't. I don't think we're ready. I think we have failed. I don't think we're ready to go back to that. <laughs> Thank you so much for that reframe and uh, both of your responses. I'm watching uh, younger generations and uh, uh, old, even older generations feel they have to uh, really respond to to the immediate, to instant gratification. And, I, and I'm talking social media. I'm talking about how we all walk around with these little black boxes now and laptops in our bag. Um, and we're able to communicate so quickly, but we're also um, are receiving um, so much faster than we ever have in history. And we've seen the dawning of digital theater. Uh, we don't we don't talk enough about uh, theater IP and that it has an expiration date on it. Uh, a show has a certain time that it opens and closes. And then we drop that IP, that work, to move on to the next project, to create all over again. And never creating a model besides touring to make profit off of that IP. So I wonder what are your thoughts on digital theater? And is it a future uh, you feel we should be investing in? Yeah, but yeah. Here, for me, and I would, yes, yes, streaming is amazing because it, it, it allows those who can't come physically into a theater to experience it, but nothing will ever replace being in a room. Nothing. You can call it whatever you want to call it, because the issue is for me as an artist is, once you do it for streaming, the visual vocabulary is different. The camera is different than an audience. The camera can, for me, I always say cameras are about close-ups. <laughs> it's all about close-ups. While in a theater, you get the full world in one. So already as a designer, you're shifting your focus. So it's already a different medium. So I, I don't know if I would call it theater. It's so, so it's, it's very strange. I think we need it because I think it's about bringing people who can't physically be in a space, but I don't think it will ever, ever replace uh, live. And if it ever gets, gets amazingly better, then you're calling it a film. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I, I mean, I completely agree with you that it, theater is a live experience and part of that, it's one of the last places where we all come from different places and mm -hmm. take the same journey together next yeah. to each other, Any, anything can happen. And, um, and because I think uh, we know that to be true, I'm going to just say that we know that to be true. I think we can also rest in the confidence of um, using new kinds of technology to help, as Emilio said, reach new people. And that it's not, it's not, it's not ever going to be a threat to live theater because I think we can rest in that confidence. Yeah, um, totally. As long as we make it accessible, um, you know, um, but you know, we need to, and it's a different, it's a different kind of thing, um, but that we, we should explore things. I do 
like, you know, or, you know, I see something, but maybe I didn't get to London to see that production. Oh, I, you know, it's not the same thing, but I like that. I, I enjoyed for, and continue to enjoy the Met Opera, um, HD cast, you know, sometimes it's not the same thing. Um, but that I think, you know, part of, part of the issue that we have in, in arts and culture is like, we, we just are like, we can't, we, we just gotta be this way or that way. You know what I mean? And instead of like, we, we can make space, we can make room and we can rest in the confidence that the live experience is, is, is unique and will be everlasting. Oh, absolutely. Theater is definitely everlasting. Live performance is everlasting. But I think we should also invest in what that intersection is with our IP, with our ideas that allows it to, uh, you know, live on forever in a repeatable fashion. No, I think so, too. And it could be very lucrative. I think at the end of the day, we all deserve a living wage. Yes. We should be able to feed our families and ourselves, pay our rent, buy a house get married, have kids. Those are things that we shouldn't be putting off just to do what we love. We deserve the American dream. Mm, The American dream. (laughs) Um, I'm just laughing because it's such a loaded statement now. Exactly. I know. I know. That's that's, that's such a loaded statement. The American dream never had us in mind. So we we deserve to create our own dreams. How about that? Enjoying today's episode? We hope you'll join the community of artists and arts lovers behind it by becoming a member of the Drama League. For over 100 years, the Drama League has been supporting the entertainment industry and the incredible artists at the center of it. When you become a member, you'll receive unparalleled access to the entire theater scene, members-only events, insider news, and ticket discounts. And your membership directly makes it possible for the next generation of artists to learn, grow, and succeed. And they've never needed your help more than now. So to join us, please visit dramaleague.org slash membership. That's dramaleague.org slash membership. And from all of us, thanks for joining. I just wanted to make some time so that you can tell artists and our listeners out there how they can get involved with the American Theater Wing. Sure. Well, americantheaterwing.org. We spell theater R-E. And... Uh, exactly. And, and on that uh, site, well, first of all, we have an Emmy-nominated um, documentary series that goes behind the scenes, gives a lot of information, um, you know, from ma- masters in the industry. We have, uh, during the pandemic, we developed a masterclass series, um, which is, again, masters of the industry, working with young people. Natasha Katz just did one at the PRG studio called Six-time Tony-nominated Lighting yeah, six-time designer. Tony goddess. <laughs> Tony winner. I'm sorry, not nominated. Tony winner. Yeah, it's, it's Tony winner. Um, you know, where she worked with two students on cueing a musical and um, responded to them in real time. So there's a lot of really great content um, out there that's for free. Um, and then we have programs like the Andrew Lloyd Webber Initiative that has three components. Schools can apply to help, uh, you know, us help them do theater in their schools students can apply to get advanced training we're trying to even that playing field again because we know that a lot of kids that get into college for theater they get into college because their parents are sending them to you know wherever to get to get additional training so we're giving uh training scholarships and then we have uh, university scholarships where we're giving um 
uh, scholarship. We have about 35 kids in university across young people, I should say, and they're all kids to me in universities across uh, the country studying theater in all sides of theater. And they're paired with a mentor because, you know, again, they're, 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 we're trying to even the playing field, give them connections so that when they enter this industry, um, there's a way to succeed. That's the Andrew Lloyd Webber program. Obviously, the Jonathan Larson program supports young musical theater writers, adventurous young musical theater writers. Um, and uh, there's just a ton of, 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 again, free digital content um, that, you know, it is accessible online. And I don't think, did I miss anything, Emilio? <laughs> no, no, I, I think, I think you, you covered them all. I think uh, any young artist out there that wants to check us out, like Heather said, American Theater, R-E, wing.org. Uh, and just, I think our behind the scenes series is the best way for young people to really get, let's say, like firsthand experience, because Ian Weiss, who runs that whole de department and his team, really, really dive in to the artists who are working, because it's very yep. a, a working career is very different than celebrity. A working career, some people work 30, 40 years, and you would never know their names but they have an amazing long career. And that's what the theater offers. I want young people to realize that the ecosystem of theater is not just those people on stage performing. There's, so a, whole, there's a whole world under the stage and in the wings that are supporting those amazing performers to create what you're enjoying. And just because you're not a singer does it, you're not a dancer, doesn't mean that you cannot have a viable career in theater if you love it. Because there's costume, set, projections. One of the biggest things is that I'm telling my like uh, brown kids, BIPOC, brown, is if you love computer games, if you love being on, uh, I don't even know what they call them anymore. I'm so on Atari. So, you know, I'm-, I'm uh, Atari. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> an Atari. If, if you, um, they call it a PlayStation or an Xbox. And, and, okay, thank you. If you into that, think about projections for theater. Yep. Because that's the projections, lighting, sets, uh, are the I think the three sections in theater that are ripe for new blood because they're emerging technologies. Every theater is equipped with projections and technology, LED walls, and all of that is programmed. So right. There's so many. This is why this is why Emilio was selected after serving six years on the board to be chair because of his passion for this for the ecology um, and all the ways that you can make a living in, in the theater. And we're so committed to. to it wasn't my that, good but, looks and charm. Well. <laughs> That didn't hurt. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> but it's true. And this is what, as we come out of the pandemic, I think we need to realize too, because it's um, it's it's all those people. And as you said, it's the zipper makers and the beaters. The, this is our industry. That's the and, industry. And, you know, like the pandemic did 
in the world at large, it, it, it made transparent that we're leaving too many people behind. Um, yeah. I mean, the and, costume uh, industry. Yeah. Yeah. And in our industry, we're leaving too many people behind. Um, and we have to, we have to come up with a better support structure. We'll be, as I said, we're going to go back for um, an another payment on that down payment. So exactly. <laughs> yes, we should lift up the multitudes of uh, jobs and experiences someone can have in the theater. Annie, when there's so much there that's so rich, you just have to come to come come to the wing. Come to the wing. That's gonna be my my mantra now. Come to the wing. We're we're <laughs> we're the we're the big tent of theater. <laughs> we're almost out of time, and I just want to ask you one more question. I'm wondering um, what's coming up this season that you are itching to get to. You mean show wise? <laughs> yes, I mean show wise. Oh, you know, you know, we have to say we like all of our children. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I know I'm being bad. I was like, can I? I I'm gonna see if I can get them. <laughs> I, lo I love I, I love all my children. Well, I, I'm I'm very much looking forward to and and have enjoyed some of the new stories that we're telling, and I just yes. hope that we continue to tell new stories. You know, I think, um, yes. in t and I think you know, I think we can. I think often we underestimate audiences. Audience wants to be, they want to be told a great story. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to the the being told great stories. And that's what we'll have. And that's what we're having. We're having great stories by a, a diverse group of people, which is always amazing. You know, because I, th I think we all have the human condition is universal around the world for everyone. And if you can tap into that, then the audience will follow you wherever you take them. And that is such a lovely place to wrap this conversation. Heather and Emilio, thank you so much for being here today. Um, for our listeners, we're going to make sure to put the link um, in the description. You should check out the American Theater Wing um, and have a lovely, lovely day. Oh, thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. This was a pleasure for us as well. Thanks for listening to Talking Direction. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing while you're here. Also, let us know what you think. You can follow us on all social media platforms with the handle at Dramaly. Talking Direction is a program of the Drama League of New York, America's only nonprofit home for directors and the audiences they inspire, offering essential services and resources to artists in their time of need. Please join us in this effort by visiting dramaleague.org and click donate. Or better yet, be a part by becoming a member. Thanks for listening. <laughs>